guys. Welcome to episode Whoa. 50, not making a big deal, of CMD Towers Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Comrade number five, and my fellow host won't ever offer a branch of friendship, but will offer you a branching bolt, Big Tuck. Ooh, that's great. Look at that. Did you just come up with that? I mean, I, I took, did it in my notes earlier. You're doing my, it. My You're like, yeah, I, stayed, I, got, I stayed up late, you know, two, three in the morning, digging through for anything branching. <laughs> um, so... You've kind of you've kind of uh, buried the lead a little bit, so I'm gonna co up and come up with this one as well. Hey, goad ease and goad ers. I'm working on my siren noises too. How are you, Mr. Combo? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's a little weird because we just recorded like three, four days yeah. ago. Now we're doing it tonight, and then we're gonna we'll record be, in we'll right back two here. or three yeah, days. Another, another two, <laughs> dude, couple other um, I'm also. Um, uh, so just before we get too far into it, um, this also is going to be something. So I'm enjoying a crispy, a crispy brew from Mr. Combo's favorite place, Pathlight Brewing. Oh, we changed it. Up. New brewery. How so dare you trespass? No, it's quite good. It's a uh, Citra Pale Ale, extremely hoppy. Which will Ooh. also be coming in. It's their B61. So, uh, Pathlight Brewing is brand new up in Shawnee, Kansas. Love them. So, that's good. Uh, and then the only other thing of note, just for the multiverse, is that I have my first uh, post-COVID date tomorrow. So, by the time this airs, there may be an Amber Alert out for me. So, okay. who knows how that's going. But, Best Mr. Combo, we precast, we're talking about your Saturday. Have you, have you started to come around from that? Uh, I did. Uh, so uh, to, to give the collective an idea of what my weekend looked like, uh, ha had the goad, the tuck, and Godfather Davis over. Uh, we played IRL games Friday, <clears throat> and tuck and goad were both like, we got to leave by 10. Uh, it was midnight when they left. Uh, yeah, and then me and and the Godfather were up until like four thirty in the morning. Yep. <laughs> My girlfriend gets home, wakes me up at ten thirty in the morning, so I got like no sleep. And then her friends came over at like three or three thirty, and we drank from three or three thirty till about two a.m. Uh, chilled in like my little hot tub converted pool and like eight tacos and like it was a great time it's just like my liver and lungs yeah. just went through the ringer this I mean, I, weekend i think you're about 12 hours away from a uh, legal bender there <laughs> yeah well That's... and then sunday i just did not want to move like yeah. i've been very i've been pretty good about this whole, like whole diet or eating clean and, and portion control but literally yesterday like your girlfriend's like I, I can't do it i'm just gonna order something so she got a burger from westport flea market oh delicious uh, i ordered a couple chicken sandwiches from like this new chicken place that was really really good and it threw me off because it looked like a more boutique type place so the sandwiches were like six bucks so i was like okay oh. they're gonna be maybe like the size of a quick trip sandwich right, right, something right. to that effect no these were full-size chicken sandwiches Sweet. and i bet you uh, ate them both back to back <laughs> uh, no i didn't i took a break no no i took a break no don't worry i, I, I took a three-hour break uh, just to let the food digest, but Rise Southern Biscuits and Righteousness. Oh, yeah, is that in, um, that's in Prairie Village, right? 
I don't know. I ordered it DoorDash. Okay, cool. And you probably couldn't even see the location. You're just like, just get this to Correct. me. Just get me food. <laughs> it is. It's it's right on. It's right next to the Minsky's down the street from where I live now. Oh, and, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's like in the village. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, that's the village. Cool. Yeah, but no, the the sandwiches were delicious. Were so good. But then about seven o'clock, I was like, screw it. I've already gone down this path. So I ordered Grinders Big New York style pepperoni you pizza. Did. Wow. Oh wow! So yeah, I mean that's a good my, way to top off the weekend. Yes, I, <laughs> I mean uh, I already said uh, I don't need lungs, I don't need a liver, so why not? You know, not. Uh, I don't need a gall. I don't need a gallbladder. <laughs> better living through chemistry. Um, there we go. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in to the episode. And as always, with that manolith commentary from Rich Chaos <laughs> Records, is Squee McGee. Squeeze. Hey, 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 hey! How's it going? Uh, oh, it's, it's going to be a busy week here. Yeah, we're doing a lot of recording. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Going to uh, yeah, you're going out of town. Going to Denver for three days. Going to see Jared, and then going to go out to California and hang out with Mikael and his wife Kayla for well, about six days in Monterey. So going to be good. Good, you know, hiking, kayaking. Awesome. A little activities. bit of this, a little... So, yeah, whatever activities are legal around those parts. Um, yeah, any, any of that type of stuff. But yeah, this week's a little, a little nuts getting prepped for that. We're doing all these episodes of recording, working, packing, getting people up to speed on what to do at my house while I'm gone. So What what has been... Because there was a run where I think the most we've recorded... Didn't we do four in like 10 days? There was one time where we did I think there was one where, yeah, because you and Mr. Combo were both traveling a bunch before COVID. Right. Yeah, there was a stretch where we just, like, there were a couple, like, back-to-back nights we did. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah, those were miserable. But that just goes to show (laughs) you the collective, how much effort we put into this and how physically exhausting it is to do, to sit here and yell at each other. Which, literally, it's going from minimal effort to moderate effort. I mean, I guess, yeah, I started, let's see, I started editing today at 2, so... Yeah, we're going to have a good run. There you go. Well, guys, if you want to know more ways to support the CMD Tower team and all the mediocre to medium content we like to put out, Ooh, you should go to our sponsor, level1gameshop.com. Uh, they do sell all your magic accessories. They do carry our exclusive play mat and sleeves. They also do have a great TCG player store, so if that's more your bake and your bang, um, you know, we don't get any money from them, but they do help support our giveaways uh, that we do for you guys each month, and uh, hopefully one day we'll generate enough revenue with them that they can start helping to upgrade our youtube channel uh so that's something that we're looking into as well Sweet. so yeah go 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 shoot them some what i call biz biz <laughs> another way to support us financially though is to actually head over to our patreon patreon.com slash cmd tower we have four different pledge levels and rewards vary from getting access to our discord to getting your own play mat and sleeves and we have because of our great patrons our great collective we're able to save up enough money to uh, basically get another set of rewards for everyone. So for the uh, Squeeze Choir one, you'll get a sweet Squee McGee uh, gold coin uh, with some sweet art done by Marketing Ross mm-hmm. on each side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for the Big Tuck's Brew Buddy, you actually get the Sweet McGee coin and the great Big Tuck uh, Monarch token. Once again, sweet art done by Ross. It's a gold token. It's nice and heavy. Just to remind people that, hey, it is my right to draw a card. Love it. <laughs> and then if you do our top tier, uh, the Mr. Combo number five's probably headache or uh, dilemma. 
<laughs> dilemma. Uh, you also get both of those rewards on top of my reminder token, and this is on top of all the other rewards you get within this stuff. So I got it, Mister Combos Conundrum. Ooh. I think there actually is a name for it, but I like that one, and I may want to change it. <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, thank you to our new patrons. We actually had a new one joined, Tim McLaren. What up, Tim? Hey, Tim. Oh, Tim. I like the last Tim. name. I hope you drive a McLaren. Ooh, Take me I like in it. a ride. I want to go. That sounds like fun. But if you guys can't help us financially, you know, just share the content you're watching or listening to because every little bit of interaction from you guys does help reach the broader non-collective audience. And every episode, we do like to give a shout out to the music provided by Pink Royal. And hey, guys, stay tuned until the end so you can learn how to get details on the mystery draft kit for four. We're giving away so for awesome. July because it's kind of our one year anniversary. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, whatever. It's episode 50, it's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, Bruce and Bills is our deck tech series, and it's all about the decks that Big Tuck, our guests, and I have in our Path to 32. Each podcast, we're going to talk about one of the Path to 32 decks, but in a cool manner, bring some beers. So we broke it down into four different categories, and the first one's ramp and setting your board state. We relate that to grains. Yes, and grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in about a 60 to 40 ratio. It's also the color of the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp in your bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they're usually a mix of stapleties and specialty cards. And then the next one's going to be, how does your board interact with all of your opponents? That could be hands, that could be permanents, that could be their souls. We're calling that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal and floral flavor. They grow in a variety of strands um, and help distinguish subcategories like this hazy IPA. The citra hop in here kind of gives it this nice opaque look and a little bit of a citrus sweet. So our hop, our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can do what it wants. And then the next thing is we actually kind of want to win games or at least end the game so you can go on with your life and maybe go on vacation to Colorado and California. We correlate that to yeast. Yes, and yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol content in the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. Without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then lastly, we have shenanigans, pet cards, synergies, alter the brutes that are in the deck that are just kind of fun and interesting. And you got that emotional attachment to it, like alter the brood. So we call that alter the brood. I mean, spice. <laughs> you, should, you should get an alter the brood count on your, on the YouTube video where it's like, ding, ding. Uh, not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a sound to jalapeno sour, or addition of hops that turn IPA into a juicy IPA. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we generally talk about it and then to wrap up the episode we do have a bottle capping and these are going to be big tucks our guests and eyes recommendations and cuts to the deck that are under five dollars under fifty dollars any personal recommendation that has no budget the only restriction is no mana only lands and this deck was very hard for me as well because this is one of my decks i literally just <laughs> built it right. and so that's always hard to do cuts and ads when you literally just put it together right but hey Without further ado, let's get brewing. Today, we're actually revisiting a commander that Big Tuck had done with his regular friends, but I did a little bit of a spin with it, because you know what? KT says, go me another one. <laughs> we're talking Kianos and Tiro of Melitus. Uh, you, uh, you clearly were jealous of the goad, and you're like, well, I can do that too, <laughs> but in four color. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I just saw all the GOAT stuff come out in C20 yeah. um, and uh, M21, and I was like, man, that seems really kind of cool. 
Uh, I wonder if I could do it. Like, and who would be the one? Because I have said the four color options suck and I won't be forced into it. But I was like, well, if anyone could do it, it would be these two guys. Sure. So Big Tuck, why don't you remind everyone what they actually do? Great. And it's a foil too. So they are a four color. As They're we said, foil. it's everything. And I'm not wearing my glasses. Go figure it out. Um, so <laughs> they are everything but uh, everything but black. That's red, green, white, blue, legendary creature, human soldier. It's a mythic. Uh, two. Uh, 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 what is that color combination called? Uh, Dune brood. I have no idea. It is. Yeah, it's, I, think it's, I think it's. I think it's Dune brood. But I might not be sure on that. Um, so at the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield, then each opponent who didn't draws a card. So pretty much how that mechanic works, as we talked here, is that you will always be able to draw a card and then play a land, and your opponents can choose one or the other. So, um, yeah, and then look what we fought for. Look what we built together. And then they get the shaft in uh, Theros Beyond Death, so that's kind of funny there. Um, Yeah, absolutely. It is funny how this is kind of like the go-to of these pillow fort style decks. Um, yep. So this, so I will say, and I want to hear a little bit more about your thinking around it. So I'm pretty sure that this deck wins the coveted least talked about incessantly before actually played award for you. Cause this deck literally, normally you, you telegraph your decks miles away and this one just kind of appeared out of the void. So what, how was your kind of your building process around it? How did you choose to do this mechanic outside of just like the new influx of goat abilities and that sort of stuff? Because it is a real goat's only been around for a handful of years now since Conspiracy Two. Yeah, and you know, in this deck got played um, actually when we did our IRL games, and we'll be talked uh, that game will be talked about on next week's Forty Life in a Dash. Um, and I take offense the goad saying that this isn't a goad deck because I have just about all the right. goad cards <laughs> you could possibly have in here. Um, so my thought process was. I want, I'm not going to be a pillow fort deck to where it's group hug, don't hit me, yeah. and then maybe sneakily get out a win. It really was going to be an aggressive, I am enchanting, I'm sorcerying, I'm goading, I'm forcing you to attack, but hey, by the way, you can't attack me, or it's just very expensive to attack mm-hmm. me. But if you do, I do have this commander that's a 2-8 butt that most of the time, him on his face, he is a group hug commander. Yes, I agree. No one wants to use a target removal on him unless he is specifically equipped or enchanted mm-hmm. and it's forcing the game's progression which will be talked about on 40 <laughs> Life of the Dash next week uh, so that was kind of my thought process I need to get as many of the force your opponents to attack in whatever way possible and then from there try to figure out how to make it to where they can't hit me or hit me for as much yeah and it definitely plays that way too which I think is cool well uh Friend of the cast, Goad, or the Goad. We're just going with the Goad. That's what we're going to I call think him. the Goad. Okay, cool. Eventually, he'll just be called G Thing. He, he brought up the G Thing. I like that. I like that quite a bit. By the way, this is um, Ink Treader. I just looked it up for the color. Ah, combo. damn. I, thought, I, I, want, ah, I wanted to say that. That's what I wanted to first. I just got to commit those to memory. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say? So, this deck actually, it looked like. It feels like a stack deck, which I don't usually like. But the thing I like about it is it forces people to attack, which I love, right? So yeah. it's kind of this weird 
it's kind of this weird mix where you un, until you get to a certain point, it sort of plays like an Edric style deck. Where, oh boy, almost dropped this in the beer. Um, this this Garmin belt clip that I'm never gonna use. Um, so it kind of it kind of plays like an Edric style deck where you're just you, it starts where you're just incentivized to attack your opponents, and then it yep. gets so bad that you become you you yourself become what you hate the most and turn yourself into the arch enemy, and people and like everyone has to gang up their resources. Just to like cut, just to even get in the red zone with you, so it definitely has like an interesting build around it in that sense. Um, and I was looking through here, you know, I I really like that you stick to the thing. There's a few things in here that I that you they like you talked about. If you could take them out, I think they'd make room to power the deck down a little bit. Um, but overall, like I said, it's it's definitely an interesting deck. It definitely it's one of those decks that really warps the um, warps the table around it. Yeah, you know, and I think to that point. Um, of being the arch enemy. By the time you actually become the arch enemy, like that game uh, the other day, it took you guys oh. like two or three turns yeah. of three v wanting me, yeah. and and it wasn't even like you know I don't want the collective to think that oh I was just counter spelling left or no. right. I don't think I cast a counter spell that game. It was just. I was going to say, I'm going to do you one better. I don't think you cast a removal spell that game. Oh yeah, I don't think I did. <laughs> And they're in here. I just didn't get to them. Right. Um, and, and so that's really what makes the deck interesting is that there's just all these unique pieces out there that I'm either putting on your creatures, putting on yourself. And it's like, gosh, I mean, unless you just have a mass, get rid of everything spell, you're kind of in this teaming up yeah. kind of thing. And it was even funny because at one point, friend of the cast, the G thing, uh, was like, hey, Tuck, if... I do this for you. Well, like you kind of like, are you cool drawing cards? And then I'll help you and you can kind of help me out. And Tuck was like, cool. And then like it was Tuck's turn. And he's like, well, I got this creature that Mr. Combo gave me that has haste and trample. Oh, here you go, Goad. And he's like, well, what the hell? And it't's like, well, why wouldn't no, I? Like, I, and that's, I, can't, I have to do something. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what I like about the deck is it's forcing mm -hmm. combat. Now, I think the only people this will really struggle against is Planeswalker decks. Uh, which yeah if i had played because i think this was during your planeswalker deck the, this one so um but i think we're to if i can be if i can expand your point i agree planeswalker decks is really hard against i think this deck is really hard against other arch enemy decks right because oh okay. you know what i mean because like a planeswalker deck quickly turns into everyone at the table is focused on this right similar in scope yeah. to like this this the deck that this lost to a mine was nekuzar another arch enemy yeah. deck right just because it didn't have the removal pieces in it to to try to move it around but sure. if you're, but i think where this deck really shines is when you're that person at the table right and you're yeah. you're very much being able to dictate the flow of the game and all that 100 percent uh so from a color distribution standpoint i am all over the map yeah kind of, uh, which is kind of surprising <laughs> considering the mana base that you have in this i uh, use that in quotations oh my gosh he just gets so salty all the time uh but so here's the thing i am all over the place but it's one of those things to where the few things that I have that can ramp, I need green. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't reduce my green because I really don't have, I only have 10 green pips right. in the entire deck, uh, but I got 12 pip symbols I can make green. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I reduced it down, it's kind of like where Squee was talking about with his Reese deck. He can't skew it one way, you know, to where he has an even distribution of green and white. He needs an overload of white because when he misses his white, it just is painful and you mm -hmm. can't do anything. And if I can't get green, 
green, I can't cast my commander. Yeah. So that's one of the curses of being in a four-color deck. I, I agree. And the point I was going to bring up is your, this commander is not necessary, but it really, really helps you accelerate yeah. into the things that you're looking for. 100%. Uh, CMC 362, it seems high, but I mean, Big Tuck, how much mana did I have a in lot. that game? <laughs> and again, like your commander, <laughs> your commander kind of plays into that as well, right? He yeah. kind of gives you the rampant growth every turn. Um, and you did, that game was also hard to talk about because you did have like the horrible combination of stuff that was very hard to play around. Um, so that was, that was frustrating. But yeah, like I was kind of surprised about that. It doesn't feel like that. But again, it might be that you're, I've never seen, I was looking through the list and I've never seen any of your higher end cards like here you say talk about them here you cast them or anything along those lines right so maybe a little maybe is a little deceptive on that front sure well guys why don't we dive into this we'll start with a rampant crane bill uh fyi not a lot of options uh we're sitting at 12 total I so i guarantee <laughs> i'm pretty sure we're aligned at least on one i think we're well yes 100 on that one <laughs> so. uh, no i didn't do that oh, one okay. that you talked about so i did i did purposely choose two that i knew you wouldn't talk about but we've never talked about and should be talked about in a four color deck but let's get the one we match up out of the way it's one where you can kind of read people's minds oh, yeah <laughs> three two one psychic, psychic impetus yeah <laughs> is it impetus or impetus I think, it's, I, think I think it is impetus because impetus. Yeah, you added a couple of couple of T's in there. I, I'm the big T man. I gotta throw them down where I can. Uh, so I'll read the the text box since you're blind as a bat, you. and you just read what it is. All right, so it is uh, psychic impetus. Impetus. There it is. Again, I'm the literate one here. Uh, two colors and a blue. The enchantment aura. It's uncommon. Fresh off the boat from um, Commander 2020, uh, and is sitting at a cool 25 cents. Yeah, and so what this guy does is you enchant a creature, and enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and is goaded. So obviously, you're putting this on one of your opponent's creatures most of the time. Mm -hmm. Now. There are fringe cases where you'll throw this on your commander because then it's a 410, right. and why not? And you might be saying, though, what do you get out outside of the plus two, plus two, and goaded? Whenever enchanted creature attacks, you scry two. The thing that I kind of hit eventually in the game is I just kept getting to a land, right. and I didn't need lands right, right. off of the Kyrinos and Tiro draw. So at least this, it's like, okay, I attack. If I did it on my own mm -hmm. creature, then I could scry to, okay, I don't want to get these for my extra draw. Yep. Let's go ahead and put them to the bottom. Um, or if you throw it on your opponent's stuff, it's giving you some sort of action. Like, I don't have it in here. Like, a Sensei's Divining Top yes. would be a great card. This, that, and this would pair just like peanut butter and ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I think so. You, I think in the early game, this actually helps you get into that ramp with Kyrnos, right? Um, with, your bo with your boys or whatever they are, uh, K and T, if you will, or KT. KT. Katie. It's, it's Katie. Like, it's like J. No, it's like JT, Justin Timberlake, but it's KT. Kyrnos Timberlake. Um, yeah, so, um, no, I, I, like I said, um, I agree with you, and uh, the, I see it the other way, too, where this is even good in the early game to get you to those lands to make sure that you're not just, oh, drawing, sure. like, just dead drawing out of it, right? Um, no, that makes sense. And, and one thing we'll get into that I like about these impetuses is that they don't give other evergreen abilities which we'll get into later we'll get into that a little bit later impetai sure Ooh. 
Like, well, why why don't we segue to your <laughs> next card? Uh, so, Mr. Combo, we talked about this earlier today, so I'll just go ahead yeah. and get this out of the way. Um, we're talking about the other in- impetus in the grain bill. We're talking about shiny impetus. Uh, this is awesome and for many reasons. Number one, is it has a cute old little baby cat on it. Uh, two colors <laughs> in red for an enchantment aura. It's also an uncommon from Commander 2020. Ten cents more, so watch out for that. Um, enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and is goaded. Great, definitely what we want. However, I like this one better. Um, not necessarily in this deck, but I think this is a better ability for the color. Whenever the enchanted creature attacks, you create a treasure token. So there's still this actually is ramping you, right? And in this deck, I think it's good because it gets the goaded ability, and you can always use more mana, right? To get up there sure. and do multiple things a turn. Um, but I think this card actually has a lot of play in like some like mono red attacky decks, maybe in some like red black attacky decks, right? To get that treasure token. If you can have the defenses. Oh, like you're putting it on your own creature? Um, potentially, or even you can put it on somewhere else, and you know that like that's gonna lower their defenses while you're coming in on it, right? Because they can't attack you. So this is a pretty low barrier of entry just to pretty much ramp you one every turn. And it'll pay, it's not quite as good as another card in the deck that generates token or another card in the deck that generates tokens, which we won't, which we don't have to get into right now. Um, but I do like the fact that you will get at least one treasure token and it'll, it it really costs two for one, one mana over time. No, that's fair. You know, I almost wonder if this is worth throwing in in my Vin Diesel deck because that kitty cat looks like he lives his life a quarter mile at a time. 100%. The goggles are a dead giveaway. So, um... uh, But no, yeah, it, it's a good card. Uh, I like it. It's, once again, I think if I wasn't doing a goad focus, I probably wouldn't have it in here, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I don't think it's that great, but because uh, if, if you literally took out the goat and it just said it created shape creature gets plus two plus two, and then whenever it attacks, make a treasure token. Whatever. No. I mean, that's Captain Lander yeah. Storm, right? Who's like unplayable. And yes. I, I do so in this deck, yes, because it has access to green. But in a, a deck that maybe need a little bit more ramp, I think that might be where it could be a home. Maybe. Fair enough. So what, what's right. your next so one? My, so my next one, it's a it's a staple in three color and bigger decks, but we've never talked about it. And I think we should talk about it and maybe like, you know, decks that it works or doesn't work in or ones where you don't need it, but chromatically. Yes, it's incredible. So uh, three colorless, it's an artifact sitting at eight bucks. My God. It's been, it's, this is one that when it got reprinted, it plummeted and went to five. And I wish I would have bought like 10 of them. But then I realized I checked it. I think I'm missing it in two decks. So I'm glad I didn't. Oh, there you go. Um, and then it says lands you control have tap, add one man of any color. So basically all of your lands tap for whatever color they need. And it can tap and add one man of any color. So in a four color deck, you have to have I this. Agree. Like, I, I don't think it's an option. Three color, you can argue, but I'm curious, Tuck, in a three plus color deck, when when do you have to have a chromatically injured? Do you think it's a automatically you have to no matter what? Or is it if a you run a lot of double or triple pips and you're worried about maybe the distribution? I honestly would put it in all of them. Like if you're running three or more colors and you can find these cards, and right now, like they're hard to find in Kansas City. It's weird. They're kind of like the bullets. Um, but I think it's just worth it, right? Because we talked before about like how Manolith is not a good card. Um, and this is this is just like those things, right? Like 
The upside of this for three mana makes it worth its weight in gold more than like dropping this for a Felwar Stone or, or whatever, right? So sure. um, the argument off of that is that if you're running, and really I think like there's some people that say if you're running more than one color, you should run this, which I think is a little bit much. But if you're, yeah. I would say yes, if you can, but yes, you have to if you're not running green. Because green at least gives oh, you the option okay. to find the stuff and smooth out your colors if you need to get to it, right? But if you don't have that option, this is the next best thing to be able to smooth out your lands. Um, especially as you made mention of like the pip and heavy, the pip intensive and, and heavy decks. Yeah, because I know that there's cards that we've talked about and like bottle cappings before, whether it's a cut or an ad, where you've had the thought process of like, man, but that's double pips yes. or that's a triple pip. I don't know if I'm comfortable mm -hmm. with that. If you have a deck like that, guys, you have to run a Chromatic yeah. Lantern. But I do understand at eight, $8, it's not cheap. What happened by any means? What happened with one where you were pissed off where like your Japanese one was worth more than your masterpiece or something like that? <laughs> no, my, my Japanese one was worth worth more than my foil one I pulled in a <laughs> Just the Japanese normal, like not foil one, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what is your last one? So these are, I'm also talking about, I'm actually talking about multiple cards in here, but it's really kind of brings us home as we get close to our big anniversary episode. Decidedly not this one. Um, but I just want to shine a little light on the talisman cycle. So you have okay. the, all the appropriate ones in here, conviction, creativity, curiosity, and impulse. Um, and if you, if the, the keen eared listeners will remember all two of them that listened to it, our first episode was right when the new talismans came out. And one of the recommendations was cutting the signets from the project to put the talismans in. And I'll tell yep. you, since these have come out and since these have become more rampant, these things are worth every cent that you can get them for, right? Yeah. Even though some of them are kind of creeping up closer to like a dollar, these outperform signets. These outperform, I would say in the right deck, like a Felwar stone, they do so much, right? The life loss is, in my opinion, completely meaningless, right? Even if this yep. pings you for five a game, whatever. But there's been so many sure. times where just the fact that they give you the option of not having to tap something else, and you can leave it open, it can feed into other things, all for a two drop, I mean, they're just, they're insanely good. So the Mr. Combo is 100% right on the money. These things are awesome. And if, they, and if you're running deck, with signets, for the most part, they should be replaced with these talisman. There are well, yeah, and, and to your point with that, it's because the talismans can also tap for colorless. That yes, is exactly. the thing that signets completely miss the boat on. Is a you got to put a colorless into it to get the uh, the guild pairing. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, fine, but this can either tap for colorless or okay, I take a damage for the guild pairing. Boo who and and a lot of times with the pairing you might end up you might have to tap them just to get that one mana and then you're just then you have one floating that you can't do anything with yep. right and that feels horrible it's like you're you're defeating the point of the mana rock at that point it's just cycling a land so yep. the talismans are real all the ones in this deck um, are all uh, coincidentally uh, they're all cheap and none of them run black so perhaps that's the differentiator there so anyways I just want to I just want to point out that a year later close to a year later. These things are 100% the real deal. Awesome. Well, my last one, once again, another mana rock. We've never talked about it, but it needs to be talked about. Arcane Signet. Um, it's not the hype, 
that it initially was when it came out. It's a great card. It's an auto clue. Yeah. I think in every commander deck outside of mono green. I agree. Uh, but it's a two colorless artifact. Tap, add one mana of any color to your of your commander's color identity. Uh, sitting at five dollars. I remember when these things were twenty five bucks. Uh, I think I bought some at like ten. Mm-hmm. Or 11 because yeah, yeah. we didn't think it was going to get any cheaper than that and now here we are they put them in the commander sets and it's plummeting uh now it's cheaper than chromatic lantern so oh, wow. once again though i think in a three color plus deck if you can afford the five dollars it's an auto include no matter what and this is one where i don't think it's even a conversation like chromatic lantern mm-hmm. chromatic lantern you could say well my mana base is actually pretty solid so i could save money and go with a um what's the uh scry uh mana geode uh go with something like that uh instead and it's a dollar instead of eight but arcane signet there's never a situation where you'd say oh i'd rather have a felwar stone no. I, compl- I agree with you completely and for the most part felwar stones are the same price if not slightly more expensive which is crazy right oh wow so because I, Fel- I think felwar stone used to be the like underlooked one so people that's why they they weren't as in the conversation so as much and then arcane signet so expected out yeah right okay. yeah because like it was it's been around for a very long time and then when arcane signet came out people realized like oh this two drop untapped artifact thing is real so yes i agree um especially at five dollars if you can find these like round them up because you will always be able to use them if you're playing commander now granted before we move on to the hop section do you think that signet could drop any further do you think it get to three bucks? If they say like Soul Ring, they put it in every Commander product. I was just gonna, I was just wondering that, right? And I think the problem though is Command Commander or like, Soul Ring has been in every product, and it's still like three fifty to five dollars, right? So, and there's a yeah. million reprintings of it. So, I think it's probably gonna be very similar, right? Three to five bucks is probably gonna be kind of the going rate. Same thing, all like Command Tower is always gonna be two to three dollars. Um, I mean, gotcha. it'd be great. I would love it if it was three dollars, but who's, who's to say? <laughs> So basically, I'm never going to buy a single of this ever again. It's just when I get my commander sets <laughs> yeah. each year, I'll know, hey, I get four yeah, or five I was like, Arcane oh, signets. I'm actually sitting on three of them right over there. So another reason to crack them open. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the green. Now we're going to head over to the hops. Big Tuck, kick us All right, off. Work it. Now we have we have lots of options. This is a very... No way we, no way we align. Very hoppy boy. I don't think so. So um, I am going to talk about... An, I'm first going to talk about a new uh, abreve, if you will. So I want to call these DHM, a DHM card. Okay. okay. For a don't hurt me card, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're, we're going to make this a thing. The first DHM card I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be talking about three of them. This one, I wish I picked these up when they were like $5, but now they are over 11. Uh, it's only been printed once, and that's why. And I believe it was printed at, I can't tell, because again, nor my glasses. We're talking about collective restraint. Are you effing? Yeah. You got this one too? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Got well, all got cocky some, out there. I got some sour news for you, Mr. Combo. You're the one who's going to have to read this one, because I have to look it up and see what rarity it is. Because I literally cannot tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, Collective Restraint A has some very metal oh, artwork. Oh, it's good. 
Uh, so it's three colorless blue enchantment. It's a rare. Um, and it says creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays X for each attacking cre each creature attacking you, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. So most of the time, it's going to be, hey, you got to pay four to attack me. I agree. And here's what's crazy about this. I'm looking at the Errated. Now it has an Evergreen ability. This has this now has Domain. Creatures can't attack you unless their controller plays X because that domain mechanic came out like in the Yidris deck. They named okay. this effect. So what makes me feel good about this is it's not on the reserve list. So perhaps this could be a Legends uh, rigmarole coming up here soon. Uh, uh, that'd be that'd be because I've never even heard of this card. Before, oh, really? To be honest. Oh, yeah. this was so. This was like this was propaganda effect two, or like it would go for most of the time. I'd seen this card. It would go propaganda, ghostly prison, collective restraint, because it's not. Because oh, I think like the there's another card in here that's also does this very well. Um, and this again, you don't run one thing that's got, when we talk about these DHM cards in here is you do run a bunch that say like you or planeswalkers, and I think it's because. Most of them now say that to some extent, right? Yeah. And those cards are really good in a deck like this. So normally some people would say, oh, this card's not as hot because they can still go after Planeswalkers. Well, joke's on you, Ding Dong. Just the trick to that is don't run any. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I think this card is actually, I think if you're really running, a, and perhaps you can, you can guide me a different direction, I think this does have a decent slot if you're not running enchantments. Enchantment Tribal, but you are running a Staxi deck in, in even two colors. It's kind of a range there. Three colors, I think it definitely has a home, and then obviously it scales as it goes up. So I think two colors, no, no way, way. Okay. Because you might as well just run Propaganda. Mm -hmm. Um... And for $11, it giving a Propaganda effect, that's not I, worth that's it. That's a fair point. Three colors, it, you gotta be careful because you gotta run enough basic, basic lands to, to cover it. So I think you would say your spread needs to be 15 basic lands right. in a three color deck to probably make it Which worth it. Which is funny because I think oh, it's our Oh, and I was just gonna say, in a four color deck, the only reason I actually run it in here, I don't run that many basics. I think I got 16, 10, 16 13, on the nose. Six, I already, I already 16. did the but the reason I do run it is because my commander is getting out so many lands that I'm going to have all four. And I even think in the game that we played, I had all four of mine. And out. on so, top of that, it does say basic land types. So your dual lands and shock lands of the worlds add up to that as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, great card. Uh, 11 bucks surprised me when I bought it. Was it was like four uh, or two years ago. So I am very upset. Wow. I wonder if it went up when uh, the Lavinia or Zorius Renegade came out. Maybe. Because it's kind of like the new hate yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah. Even, though, even though I wouldn't put it in there, I wonder if that's Could kind be. of when it spiked. All right. Well, my next one, you better not have aligned with me. <laughs> uh, it's a card that, interesting in its name, you think it would be a white black card. Oh, yeah, card, we got this one too. Old... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Three, two, one. Fine, uh, I'm reading the outside and you read the little okay. text. Two two colorless white creature human advisor. It's a one four. All right. Oh god, this, this is, is a tight one. Okay. <laughs> At the beginning of your upkeep, each player may put two one one counters on a creature they control. If a if a player does, creature that player controls can't attack you or planeswalker control until next turn. 
So yes. this we're talking about three different DHM cards uh, on this. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, you still have flavor text. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Orzov care not for repentance, only repayment. That's actually pretty good. There I do go. like that quite a bit. <laughs> so there's this. I think th these three cards that I chose also illustrate the three different kinds of the DHM cards. Right. The first one is you have to pay for it. So you have sure. to pay a thing. This one falls into this other category, which we've talked a lot about, about like modularity and choice, where it's like, hey, this is up to you. It's your choice. You don't have to pay anything extra. It's just your decision to decide if you want to attack me or not. Right? Yep. And there's another one in the spice, which I like a lot, and I really hope you're not cutting, um, <laughs> that does a very similar thing, right? So again, it, it's kind of the same thing as um, the, some of the cards in the Lavinia deck, where it's like, you can do whatever you want, you just have to pay for it, right? And and this really, this is a card that will that puts an impetus on the player, on the other players, on your opponents, to make these sort of decisions. Yeah. Well, and so, and the thing that I like the most about this card is from your opponent's standpoint, yes, it's a choice, but also it says at my upkeep. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that you have, to, it's like at the beginning of my turn. Right. Do you want to choose to attack me or not? Because I think it's a little less threatening that way, opposed to in step or the beginning of their upkeep. Right. But I actually like it that way because if they, if all of a sudden, say you and Squee choose to do the counters, but then the goad or G thing decides not to, at the beginning of my turn, I know you two can't attack me with anything right. you have, but he can. So now maybe I pivot my focus to deal with him this turn. And it's all the creatures you mm -hmm. control opposed to just a specific creature, which is the one you're alluding to in Spice. I'm not cutting it, but I don't oh, like the fact that it's only that. One. Oh, it's just that one. Yes. Oh, okay. That, yeah. isn't, that isn't as good as I thought. So, um, yeah. but the, the thing too, and, and so this is, we talked about cards that we've always wanted to work and never have. This has been one of those for me. I've never really been able to see this card out. Maybe pro probably because likely I played it in the wrong deck, right? Where it's like, sure. I think it's a pillow faulty card and really it's not. Um, but I think the thing I like about this too, to your point is this can also kind of telegraph a big turn, right? Because if someone has mm -hmm. like, you know, only a handful of stuff and they're like, nah, I don't want it. It could be out of spite or it could be that they're holding on to like triumph of the hordes or whatever, where their next, their yeah. next turn is going to be the blowout turn. Right? So yeah. um, again, I, I like this card a lot in this deck. I just have never been able, I, this one's just not been one that's ever worked for me. Um, but yeah. again, this is like, I like that it illustrates that sort of like, it's up to you if you want to do this or not. It's not a tax. It's an option. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I think you almost kind of need a deck like this mm -hmm. to where it's like, sure, even if you take advantage of it for 10 turns in a row, by the time you're ready to swing at me, I'm going to have so many different things out to where it's like, you got to be only attacking with one creature. Or you got to pay so much mana yeah. and you got to do this. You got to do that. And so it's like, it was your choice up until then. Right. But you know what? J you ate a Hershey bar <laughs> every day for three years. Now you got a Jello ass. <laughs> it's your fault. Hashtag Jello ass. Oh man, it's going to catch up. <laughs> uh, so... Well, well, Tuck, what's your last one? So I'm, really, one? I'm actually really nervous now that we're choosing a third together. So, um, I, I, it's gotta, it's gotta have to stick, stick it's, with it's your guns. Have, it's gotta have to be this one. All right. So this is from uh, the Kamigawa block. That should on, be all I need to say. Nope. Give it to really? me. Really? Nope. Give it to me. Oh, wow. We're good. Okay. Yeah. We're good. Okay. So, uh, Damn this it. is a weird one, but, and I want to talk about this one because I think I've misread this or misunderstood how it works every single time I've seen it played, which is exactly twice, uh, both in this deck. So let's talk about reference. 
Okay. Okay. So two colorless, two white. It's an enchantment. So this one, this is the third kind of DHM card. So we have the tax, we have the choice, and we just have the flat out no. Right. So yeah. this one says um, it's rare from Saviors of Kamigawa, I think. Creatures of power two or less can't attack you. Flat out. Full stop. All right. Here yep. we go. Despite the massive forces that allied against him, Konda never once believed he would lose the Kami War. Masako the Humorless. Sounds like a real cool guy. So, um, this deck, you need to hedge your bets, right? And so I think this card yep. isn't amazing. I thought it was for the... For, I thought it was the other way around where bigger creatures couldn't attack you. No. But I think it's still... So that's why I was kind of on the fence about it for a minute. But I think this actually fills a really good gap, right? Because this card will slow down the Reese's, the Edrics of the world, where they can't even come in and get you damage, right? They'll do um, yep. And eventually... And so if you think about it, most decks that are combat-based kind of go one of two ways, right? They go wide or they go tall. So sure. the way that you prevent the go tall decks is you do the stack effects of you can't attack me. Because you, even if you're attacking me with one creature, you're just going to have to pay four, five, six for it, right? Which completely sure. warps the game. Whereas this one... Or you go to that particular yeah, yes, creature. Yes, And force them to go somewhere else, but I'll leave all the one ones alone. Great, great point. Excellent point. Whereas when you go wider, if you can't get down... Because the white decks also are fast. This deck, I would say, is kind of like a... It really want it kind of gets to its wheels in the mid range, right? Um, and also, yeah. it's kind of dependent on what your opponents are playing, right? Which I think also makes it kind of a fun deck. Um, but like the, the the thing that stops weenie decks is this card, right? You have to get a propaganda or something out fast enough, and the fact that you have all these kind of redundant abilities, um, and especially this one where it's like even if you can generate a million mana, but you're swinging in with the hundred one ones, you still can't. So like, I yeah. think that's where I I think it's a really interesting card, and there's probably times where it's like. This hasn't done anything, or like maybe isn't the card you want to see. But the fact that you can hinge your you can hinge yourself against like one particular strategy for four mana seems pretty good. Yeah, and I think this kind of ties into so if you're not trying to run a deck like this, everyone, uh, like the MTG Action Four News where we kind of talked about your meta. This is absolutely a meta card to where you know what if I would have known about this seven years ago when Squee first got his Reese deck, <laughs> I absolutely would have bought one for $1.84. Right, yeah. It's not even expensive. And then it doesn't matter what he tries to do to me. He's going to have to dig through the deck to find that enchantment removal to hopefully get rid of it. And hopefully that takes long enough where I'm able to do other right. things um, and, and be able to combat it. So, yeah, I really like the card. You're spot on. It, it, these are three different DHC type of effects. Uh, DHMs, if you will. Oh, sorry. DHMs. Do not hurt me. So, um, just like how they all kind of slotted in there. But what do you got for the last one? I could have sworn you were going to go with this one. No, I actually did look at okay. it, though. <laughs> uh, no, I want to talk about another uh, Commander 20 card. Okay. Uh, because this one, I think, fits a particular style. Okay. It's not so much a don't hurt me, but it's more of a hurt my opponents. Sure. So, we're talking about predatory interests. Okay, we got to do them all. We're doing them all. <laughs> Doing them all. Uh, that just shows how good of a job they did with this yeah. cycle and at uncommon. So four colorless green enchantment aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus three plus three and must be blocked if able and is goaded. And this is what I love about this card because you slap this on the scariest effing thing on the table and you're like, have fun mm -hmm. with it because you're going to have to swing. It can't go in me. And whoever is, gets this swung at, you're going to lose something yeah. like, sorry, tough cookies. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, like 
The, we, we're not talking about them. I don't think there's any left or maybe one, but like the nope. the, the valve cycle that you have in here, the, the oh, thing sure. I don't, and I, are you talking about the one in the east? I don't think okay, so. Okay, it's, it's not that exciting. So the thing that the thing that I like about these these impetus cards versus the Val cycles is they don't they don't give them any evergreen abilities that might help them kill your opponents faster, right? It's very much sure. you're the one who's gonna be getting the value out of it, right? And this effectively will turn into like a two for one. Potentially, right? Or even or or even better, if someone's playing a Voltron deck, which we don't really see much of in our, in our play group, but it's still a very popular sure. style, right? Especially on a budget. Or whatever you're gonna force them to have to it you're gonna force them to attack someone leave it tapped then you kill it with Gideon Jura joking <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. but see here's here's the thing I think the impetus cycle and the vow cycle actually play very nice mm -hmm, together mm -hmm. and here's why so guys if you're not familiar with vows it's still an enchant creature aura um, and they still get a plus but then they get like Tuck said get an evergreen ability and they just strictly say and this is why they work great together and can't attack you or a planeswalker you control. So what we I actually did when we played this, I actually threw a um, predatory impetus and a vowel flight nice. on right. one creature, and that made it to where they had to be blocked if able, but they're also flying. But then the thing with Goad is once you have no opponents, it's just down to you and them, they just get the benefit because mm -hmm. they can still hit you because his Goad is only if right, able. Right. But once you have a vow on there, they can't do anything. They're just stuck with it. But the negative with the vows when you just have a vow on a creature is they don't have to do anything. Right. They can just keep it back as a blocker and they can block your stuff. Yep. So I actually think when you're kind of doing this don't hurt me style deck, the vows and the impetuses all have their own area, mm -hmm. but then together They're they really are good. powerhouse. Yes, I agree. That's a, that's a really good point. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the hot profile. Yeah. Now let's head over to how to win the game in yeast. I'm going to kick this off with a card that I never thought I would find a home for, but I think I gave it a home. Three. Two, one, Assault approach suit? of oh, the okay. second sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I actually am doing a salt suit. <laughs> okay, hey, perfect. All right, all salts. Woo! Boo, woo, woo. <laughs> oh, man, I love this card. Help yourself. And, um, yeah, this card's great. Of course great. I could. After the game that I just had, there's, it's there's, amazing. There's literally three decks that this works in, and I, and I, I thought <laughs> until I saw this on Sunday, there was two. <laughs> so um i'll read the outside um oh of course, of course. you will <laughs> uh it's a assault suit is a four drop artifact equipment it's an uncommon um and is sitting at 30 cents and i believe i have three to five of these so just in case you need one uh let me know <laughs> All right, so it says equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, has haste, can't attack you or a planeswalker you control, and a very important piece can't be sacrificed. That's right. huge. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of equipped creature until end of turn. If you do, untap it, equipped for three. So traditionally, how you see this card played is you play something disgusting like an Emrakul or an Ulamog or a Blightsteel Colossus. The two, the two decks I've seen this do work in is the Emrakul, the Promised Ends, and then Zergo decks. Because Zergo, ha oh, Zergo sure. has to attack every turn, and during that person's turn, he's also indestructible. So he's just indestructible oh. as he goes around. And a uh, friend of the show, Scooty Shuffle, has beat me with this card many times. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah, I think, I, I think I've think i seen a uh, friend of the cast, The Goad, yeah. uh, slap this on his friend McCruel, and it does some work yes. as well. But here's, you guys want to know what's funnier than slapping it on a big scary creature, because I, I this did this. This was actually hysterical. Yes, uh, I put this on my commander. 
And then that way, during everyone's turn, they got Kyrnos and Tiro's activated ability, or triggered ability, which also also gave me a triggered ability. Right. And so literally, everyone was happy with it until I started slapping him up with all right, the powers yeah. and then, impetuses. Then it got, then it got, got real upset. <laughs> so my question, for, my question for you, and like this this, deck, this kind of plays into this, where you do have a fair amount of stuff, and we talked about it like versus the impetai versus the vows. But I've noticed in this deck you don't have a ton of like creatures have to attack. Was that just because you ran out of slots, or is that not, or is that too too aggressive, or like what was your kind of thought, or just it just didn't work out that way? There's not that many out there. Like yeah. I, I literally went on Scryfall, searched for the anything you know, like I had for the vows uh, where they can't attack you, and try to find the things uh, like um, like a thing. So uh, we talked we talked about this like a Thantos the Warweaver effect, right? Sure, but that's exactly. exactly. And, and so and that's kind of what I started to run into is I, I needed to kind of do this balance of A, I need the you can't hurt me without paying something. So you can call it stacks. No, if no, you no, want, no. We, we have the then, name for it. It's the DHM. You need oh, the DHM effects. The DHM. So I had to do the DHM effects, but then you I eventually I needed stuff that I could just possibly win the game like i know you're not going to talk about it avacyn angel of, of hope yeah. i needed i needed bigger things like that to just, eventually just something anything get just something because ideally what happens is that it's down to me and another player at the end of the game and i'm maybe sitting at 27 to 28 but they're down to like 12 or 13 and then it's like you know what i can now get into the, the beats and i should and by, be able and by to then do you it. have the taxing or the other things that's stopping them from the dhm effects that are stopping them from doing their thing right yeah, hundred yeah, percent. All right. Well, uh, that was mine. Did you also do no. the one I've talked about? Okay. This, I've talked about this card way too much. So please, please go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. It's your oh, turn. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, uh, approach to <laughs> the second. No. Uh, no. Uh, so I have a couple ones in here that I like a lot. So again, the the way that you win is hopefully people get up to this like critical mass of creatures and then they come in. So the one that I haven't seen as much um, that I like a lot, and I th this is this is another of those cards where this also would have fit in where I've seen this card and I know what it does, but I've never really found the right home for it. So um, it's not a gamble. Oh my no god. No way, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Three, two, Illusionist Gambit! Illusionist Gambit! I love it. <laughs> Oh really? Damn it! This will be the easiest video in the world for me <laughs> oh, to edit because it's going to be one flipping card. <laughs> so, oh wow! All right, I can't read the inside of it, so I'm going to read the outside. <laughs> <laughs> two colors. I should have. I gotta go turn on my light here. Two colors, two blue. It's an instant. It's a rare coming in at a buck sixty-seven. Yeah, and this card would have saved me in our games that we played on Friday at the end, if yep. only. Cast Illusionist Gambit only during the Declare Blocker step on an opponent's turn, which is actually kind of funny. That's kind of a... This card is... You can't even cast it if you're going against a Marisi deck. Oh, yeah, right. That That's pretty interesting. Um, remove all attacking creatures from combat and untap them. After this phase, there's an additional combat phase. Each of those creatures attacks that combat if able, but they can't attack you or a planeswalker that you oh. can, uh, control that combat. So good. It's so It's so good. good. The only thing I wish... It, it's like Aetherize is cool. Aether Spouse is neat. Cyclonic Rift is Cyclonic Rift. But the fact that it's like, hey, we're going to calm down... You're 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 gonna you're gonna go back to right. home base. You're you're gonna you're gonna untap. You're gonna take a seat, gr grab a seltzer, may maybe a lemon water, Ooh. 
But then you're going to attack someone right. else. <laughs> and, like, and the thing I like about this, too, is like there's another card which we've talked about called Reigns of Power, which is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where I think you swap your creatures that you have, right? Um, yep. And I can't. I had the line as to why this is better. I think it's because you're forcing... Reigns of Power is only good if they're attacking you, right? So it's it's like... Reigns of Power is kind of more of like a, ooh, gotcha, you didn't see this coming card. Whereas this one's more of like, no, I'm going to force you to kill somebody or, even better, wipe your board out. Because especially if they're doing something where they're like, they're like okay... My creature's goaded. I have to. Any, and sure. let's, let's say, again, back to the Voltron example. It's like the Ur example for this, right? The creature's goaded. They have to attack. And they're like, okay, this person has a blocker. This one doesn't. I'm just going to run it into you. Sorry, buddy. No, like, no hard feelings. No problem. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll block my land or elf. They're like, no, no, no. You're going to go kill him. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> so, like, I, yeah. It, and I love this card even more, niche case, but it would be hilarious. If you want to get to Kali a player, they get oh, the Kali a trigger. <laughs> Do this. Now you're gonna get another Kalia trigger and really I'm kill that person. I'm hoping you so much. Like, what more do you want? So yeah, like again, like I think it's. I think one thing that is cool about this deck is like there are a lot of these cards that are kind of like, will they? Won't they? It's cool, but like this is this is like what this card. This card is like the definition of a spice card in like most decks that it'd be in, right? Whereas in here, sure. it's actually for sure a yeast, right? Like this is like a game yeah. ender, hundred percent. Yeah, because if you think about it, and this last thing I'll say on it, literally that game that we played on Friday, if I would have had that in hand, I would have yes, won the game. for sure. Like, no, no way right, I lose right. that. So. All right, well, my last one is Approach of the Second hey. Sun. Uh, already alluded to it, but I'll give you, so we've talked about the card a lot, I'll read it off, but I'll give you the insight of why I think it actually works. Actually, in any Kirinos and Tiro deck, I mind. Approach... Approach of the Second Sun, six colorless white sorcery. If approach was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell, named it, you win the game. Um, otherwise, put it seventh from the top and gain seventh life, seven life. So it does a few different things for you. Modality. Gaining seven life is big because eventually when people figure out your rigmarole, they're going to want to hit you for whatever yeah. they can hit you for. So the seven life is not ridiculous. Uh, my very first game I played this deck, I actually cast this spell on like turn four or five just because the amount of ramp and, and mana I was sure. able to generate. It was like, holy poop, I could actually potentially just win right, and yeah. take a few more turns. Kyranos and Tiro, you're always going to have out because that's a way to get your value so you can do all your different stuff. That's going to draw you basically, quote unquote, two cards mm-hmm. a turn, beginning a turn, and then your end step. And then you have all these other effects. You got your scry effects. You got your Ristic studies. Um, I wanted a way to where if I'm just in this weird soft lock with another person, we can't do right. anything to each other. Eventually, I have a way yes, out. Right. And this at least is a guaranteed way out. Yes, I agree. Um, I think approach. Um, I've approached in my Kyrnos deck for similar reasons, right? Like this is like the de facto win con on a stick. Um, the seven life in this deck actually is relevant. Like that actually can be quite a bit for what you're trying to do. Um, and again, it's like you telegraph it, but again, it's a, it could be one of the things where it doesn't matter in this because you cast it and they're like, well, we can't attack him. All my stuff has to kill someone else. And then in two turns, you're just going to draw it again by filtering through the top of your deck and then game over. Right. So I'm surprised to see it in a deck of yours, but I am very happy about the inclusion. 
Yeah, well, and we didn't talk about it. I mean, I do have a counterspell yeah. package in the deck, including, Big Tuck was very proud of me, Pyroblast. Yeah! <laughs> uh, so, you know, when Approach does come around, a lot of people will let it resolve the first time, but it's, or no, they try to counter it the first time, because once the second time happens, it's, it's just yeah. you win the game. So, you know what? It's like, I have the counter magic to protect that first one, and then it's just the countdown. You either have to mill it, or I'm going to win. So... All right, Big Tuck. Well, what's your last yeast card since there's absolutely no way we can now be on the same page? <laughs> and you're like, psych, I chose four. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, the second best code card that's ever been printed, it's still $10, which is very upsetting. Um, and it's because it's from that stupid vampire deck, which I still hate to this day. We're talking about Disrupt Decorum. It's yep. absurd. Or, the, or as the uh, professionals call it, the Wrath of Goad. Which is pretty good. Um, two colors, two red. Goad all creatures you don't control. So until your next turn, those creatures attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you if able. Dinner and politics don't mix. This card is absurd. And I remember when it first came out, I was like, that's adorable. Not oh, good. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, Whatever. cute. Goad. Okay. Like, it's the first time it's been printed since, my, since Conspiracy Take the Crown 2, where I had those monster openings. Here we are. And... I was like, yeah, okay, cute, whatever, right? No, this card, it's, it's absurd. Uh, it's so powerful. The fact that it's a two, the fact that it costs four, which is the same amount as Wrath of God, is unreal. Yeah, I remember when uh, Monsieur Magoo oh, sure. uh, got his Edgar Markov deck, just pre-con, yeah. and, and I remember seeing this get previewed, and I was like, okay. like Cool, man. Whatever. Uh, then I remember him casting it, and I was just like, wait a minute. I don't like any of this. This is all bad. <laughs> you're probably playing and like Kalia or Elves or something that was combat focused. You're like, oh, great. So I guess we just lose. Yeah, well, and then uh, Mikel got the vampire deck and tuned it up, and then I was just like, oh my god, this card is so good. Like, be honest with me. Is there. It's kind of. I look at this card like a wrath. Why would you not run this in every single red I deck? Really, I, it's hard. I, I can't think of a reason. Like there really is no downside to it, right? The only downside is it's ten dollars, which is kind of a lot, yeah. right? Whereas like, and people play like, well, wrath of God is eight, and you're like, sure, but fumigates a dollar. Well, you also talked about how chromatic lantern should be in all three color plus decks, and that's eight fifty. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I agree completely. And like, the, like the argument people will make is like, blasphemous act does this, but like board wipes or whatever, right? But the, but but this kills yes, I agree. People, and like maybe. that's and the best part is is like the person that this really hurts the most is not the person with the best board state, but the person who's to your immediate right, right? Yep. Because they're like it could get to the point depending on how the other two people do it, where he's like, guys, I'm sorry, like I can't do anything. I can kill one of you or both of you, right? Like that yep. happens all the time when I see this. Um, I'm lucky enough to have one copy of this in my Queen Marchesa deck. Um, and I wish I had way more, but it's just, it's so good. Um, Rathago, Disruptacorum's for reals. Again, the only way they're ever going to reprint this card would be like a Commander's Legends, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it could would, be. I, it, I can almost see it, right? Because like Goad is a commander yeah. mechanic, right? Like it's only yeah. good for multiplayer. So getting some more reprints of Goads and that sort of stuff. <gasps> Well, and I guess they just came out with Marisi, but what if they came out with like a like a 
red, like a Rakdos goat oh commander my gosh, or yeah. something like that. And so it's like, and it could be like Jumpstart where they have the themed packs, right. and that could be the theme pack is like goad, but it's like Rakdos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty. I cool. agree. No, and like, and like, I think Maurice's thing is like. A, Creatures have to a deal go, damage. A go deck that like is that is more of like the DHM style, right? Which Rakdos has mm-hmm. nothing of. There's no sort of like no. sitting back in Rakdos. So like that could be a really good way of like a Rakdos. A, oh, I'm like excited now. Like a Rakdos, <laughs> a Rakdos combat dictate deck. That would be really interesting. Like, what do you mean by combat like, dictate? Because red does have a lot of those effects of like creatures have to attack in X, Y, and Z, and when creatures okay. attack. But then black has like some more of like the creature manipulation and control and draw. So something where like the deck, the deck is like the the puppet string guy, right? Where he's forcing, oh. like you're kind of forcing everyone else to play around you, where you're still like kind of open. Like it doesn't have the defense of like white and blue. Sure, but has that could have that sort of like puppet master sort of ability. Maybe the marionette master finally becomes the marionette supermaster. <laughs> the the marionette. Yeah. Ooh. Well, uh, awesome. Well, that's gonna wrap up uh, yeast guys. Now we're gonna head over to spice. Okay, and so I'm afraid to say it. Okay, Ty, so let's let's like listen you me. and I are thinking the same. Listen one. to me. Did you choose this after or before Friday? <laughs> uh, I mean, I did my notes today. Okay, me too. Let's just do it. Three, two, one. Right of the, the smirch. <laughs> Both cards that Oof. made an appearance okay. on Friday. <laughs> All right. You do your right. right. So uh, this card does not need to be $3, and for some reason is, which is upsetting. Right of the Raging Storm. Uh, so don't be fooled. This card actually is incredible. Three colors, two red, in the right deck. Let me rephrase that. Three colorless, yeah. two red. Creatures named Lightning Rager can attack you or planeswalkers you control. A well-known creature subtype. Um, so at the beginning of each player's upkeep, including yours, that player puts a 5-1 red elemental creature token named Lightning Rager onto the battlefield. It has haste and something not to forget, trample. <laughs> Which yes, we did until like it mattered an most. Hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at the beginning of the end step, sacrifices creature. So... What should happen is people get it and then they sacrifice it for value or something like that, right? In reality, what happens... Or just don't attack. Right. But then you're like, again, it's that idea of wasting a turn or whatever, right? Because yeah. eventually... So the weird weird part about the sort of deck that's an archery is like... You, I could see... It's, it's not beyond the realm of possibility and it's probably highly likely that there are decks when you play this where you are not the archery. You're kind of doing a little sure. bit of flowing here and there. And you're not being goaded, but you're not like you're not either drawing cards or whatever, right? And this is the one sure. where it's like, well, I don't. Okay, I don't care. But five damage over turns is a lot, right? It's cuts. It's like every little cut, all those bruises add up, right? And even if you're only getting in for yep. five, if you're getting in for five, that's insane, right? But the thing that's crazy mm-hmm. about this is since it has trample. There's a lot of times where we blocked, I blocked it with like a 2 2. I'm like, I don't care. Or whatever. I blocked it with my commander yeah. or something like that, right? But how. You should have been taken three. Know, or in the, and it should have died or, you know, or whatever, right? Um, the fact that it's a 5 1 with the trample actually turns us into like a wheel and of its own, right? Um, mm-hmm. Again, if you had a card in here or several of them where it's like creatures have to attack that 
every turn this would get better but even then like the only downside of this and this is like such a fringe downside in this deck is like if you're playing against someone who needs those creatures to sacrifice for value like for example if we're playing goads first deck of the night where he was sacrificing creatures and draining and getting value this card is a little bit of a downside it's only one creature so it's not like backbreaking but again this deck this this is a deck that's gonna that's gonna force that's gonna end up getting the game to where it's going right so one point to that though, yes, he would have gotten an extra value piece, but then the other three players swing it and it's trample. So he couldn't just put the one ones right, in right, front right. of it, sack it for value. Cause then he's taking 15 mm-hmm. and yeah, he might drain us each for three, but you just took 15. Right. Um, so a couple points though, to this card one, a lot of people would say, well, this seems not great to give the token player because the token player, if they have a doubling season or your parallel lives are going to make a lot of extra copies, but specifically lightning ragers cannot attack you. So even if they make an extra copy of a lightning rager, it still can't attack you. It can still only attack your opponents. So that's great. And then the next thing that I think is pretty interesting is even though everyone's Everyone could be doing this damage, and our game was literally how I thought this card would work. Goad was the first person after me to get one, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do it. It goes to Tuck, and Tuck's like, well, it's kind of a waste of turn if I don't. He hit, and then every turn after that, everyone yes. swung with it. It literally <laughs> takes one person to swing with their Lightning Rager to just un, you know, uh, unload It's very the much dam. like the Journey sort of cards, right? Where it's like, or tempting cards, right? Where it's like, well, if you're oh, if sure. he's doing it, I might as well, right? It's kind of feels yep. that it's almost exactly like that. It could be like tempt with the raging storm, right? Because if everyone's like, yep. okay, we're not going to do anything, right? But for me, it was like, well, you should have attacked somebody. I was like, all right, well, Davis yep. is open. He's not going to block. It's free, right? I can't yep. block with it. <laughs> so, um, I, and also, I, I do think it's funny how many times people forgot that they couldn't attack me with yes. it. Oh, like, yeah, later yeah, in the yeah, game. 100%. <laughs> um, so, again, like, is it a good card? No. Is it a card that's worth almost $3? Decidedly not. No. It's only because the token is so hard to find. Um, but is it a card that fits into this sort of like this this deck, this like goad, you know, this would be another great card in that Rakdos controlling combat sort of thing, right? Like so yes. Sure. It's probably also one of the few times we're ever gonna talk about it, so I had to bring it up. And I'm actually based on its performance on Friday, flabbergasted that you didn't choose this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about one that also performed yeah. on Friday, uh, and it did one of the coolest plays, and it, you guys guess I'll be getting this previewed a little early, but we're talking about Besmirch. Colorless red red sorcery until end of turn, gain control of target creature, and it gains haste, untap, and goad that creature. So, the interesting thing is it was towards the end of the game, the guys thought they had me. The, the goad played an Ulamog oh, that's right, the exile right. 20 off your library. And he was like, okay, just next turn, I got it. And I said, well, funny story. How about I besmirch it? And then I think I threw a bloodthirsty <laughs> blade on it. So it was goaded. And it's like, well, now I'm going to swing. I think I did. Yeah, you, you hit me for, for like 15 or something. Cause I was, I don't even remember yeah, what I was playing. Major, major exile 20. Um, and then the goad uh got the card back but then he had to swing at someone else uh and even though i think he had a way out of it or whatnot the smirch is just one of these cards it it's kind of like um illusionist gambit 
at the right moment, you're going to win the game off of it potentially. Because if someone has a blight seal mm-hmm. colossus and it's like, guys, don't worry, I'll pay all the taxing right. effects, I'll be able to give it evasion, and I'll swing in and kill him next turn. It's like, well, comes to my turn, I'm going to besmirch, take your blight steel, kill you with your own blight steel. And I don't have to right, worry right. about you. It's it, it just seems like that perfect thing or the very fringe case, which it would kind of feel bad is someone has their controlly like their Angie mm-hmm. or something like that. Hey, I'll take his Angie and then I'll throw something on it. And then, hey, you can right. kill it. I'll swing it in. Yep. You can block it. And, it can um, and that, so this is this is called a treachery effect because it's based off the card treachery, which is yep. two colors in red and similar to clone cancel or dare I say it murder this. There are strictly better options out here and this one is one of them um and i think the thing that the thing that that you miss when you read it that that i have before when i've like cut it out decks or whatever is the fact that goad lasts through your entire next turn so it Uh still has to attack and still can attack you no matter where it is right even if there's some sort of trading around or they do reigns of power or something like that it still can't attack you until your next turn i think that's where this card really goes from being a okay, it's a one-shot deal, to, like, no, this can be game-warping and almost can be, like, a yeast card in the right, in the right time. And, and this deck, it probably yep. puts that slot pretty well. Yeah, the only reason I didn't put it in yeast is because it is so it's so specific to a specific creature, unlike I'm goading everything, that it's like, right. well, it doesn't matter what's out there. Even if I go to 100 elf tokens, that does something. But goading one, one, one elf does nothing. Does I, nothing. Yeah, it's very, it's situationally, it's like the best goat card in the deck. And then other situations, it's like borderline unplayable. <laughs> right. Yep, you got it. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Now we're going to head over to that bottle capping. And this is going to be hard for me. I know. We're going to try this- to do it. This is the problem uh, when, you, when we run these decks that you just built because I know you've net decked them and got all your stuff in them. So I didn't. No, net deck. You, I built this you from built scratch. This, you built you built this from scratch and then you have it online and then you oh, have like yeah. your you know your rustic studies and whatnot lying around. So anyways. All right. Well, anyways, to remind you, it's going to be Big Tucks, our guests and I's cuts and recommendations to the deck that are under five, under fifty, and a personal no budget one. Just can't do those mana only lands. So. We're going to start with the under $5, and honestly, it's a card. It's cute. Um, you know, okay. I kind of alluded earlier how the Orzhov Advocist is, like, a better version of this oh, card. Oh, right, yeah. I'm already so, talking about this one. And it's it's unfortunate. It just came out, but I got to cut Agitator Ant. Right. So, two colorless red. It's a creature insect. Rare. Um, and it does say at the beginning of your end step, each player may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. Go to each creature that had counters put on it this way. The reason yeah. I have to cut it from the deck is it's just too narrow that only goads that specific creature. Unlike the Orzov Advocates, which goads all their creatures um, if they decide to take my offer. So, well, it doesn't goad, but they yeah, can't attack right. me. And I agree. And like when I first looked at this, I missed the May part. I thought it was, they had to put it on something. So they could do it for four, five, six turns and be like, you know what? Now I'm ready to hurt you. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, no. And like, and again, it's squishy. It's a 2 2. You're not getting in the red zone with squishy. it. Yeah, it's a little squishy. So, again, it's really cute. And you already have all the other like mediocre goat ish effects in here, too. So, I think losing this one is probably okay. So, what are, what are you putting in for it? So, I think I'm going to put in, it's a pretty simple card because I, I think. The way that I built this deck is, so sometimes you have a deck and you got all the the standard meat and potatoes or standard dress from Good Sense uh, already already in the deck, but then it's like, oh, I want to add in the spicy things. I want to create it up, but I already think I spiced this thing out. So now I think I actually just need to get meat and potatoes in the deck. So I think I'm going to add a blue sun zenith. Okay. 
Blue Sun Zenith, X, Trip Blue, Instant. Uh, target player draws X cards, shuffle it into its owner's library. Um, the few games that I've played, I have not been short on mana. Mm -hmm. You can attest to that yeah. in one game, that, or the couple games that you've seen. Sure. And it seems like I end up hitting this point to where... KT is doing their thing. I'm drawing a card. I'm putting mm -hmm. down a land. But then that's kind of all I'm doing. It's just right. land pass, land pass later in the game. So at least a Blue Sun Zenith. You know what? I need to just go ahead and it's about to be my turn. Let's spend 10 and draw 10. And then the great thing is everyone knows how much I hate one-time target draw spells mm. like Brainstorm. Uh, it's <laughs> all right, even though it's one of the best ones ever. But at least right. Blue Sun gets shuffled back in, and I can, you know, okay, later in the game we've grinded, <clears throat> I need it again, boom, it'll be there for me. Right, and if you don't get the magic, like, nut draw that you had of Smothering Tithe and a Rhystic Study where you're constantly able to fill your hand and your mana base, you yeah. do need something that's going to be, like, a big bomb spell. And also the times where I played it, you don't, I don't think you have that many instances of sorceries in here, so sometimes you would have, like, five mana open or whatever just because you were like, well, I can't cast this, so I got nothing better sure. to do. And this at least gives you something to do at the end of turn. Absolutely. Draw on your bigger threat. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with it. Um, it sucks, like I said, if the Agitator Amp had the must, much better. Must or if it said may, but then it goads all their creatures. Yeah. Either one I would have taken. But I, agree. I, I guess, though, for three mana, that'd probably be a little OP. I agree with that, too. So, um, But, yeah, so it makes sense to me across the board. Cool. Uh, what are you doing for your under five? So, uh, if I remember correctly, I think we talked about how the Impetai have fewer evergreen abilities stacked onto it, right? Yes. I think for the most part, ones don't really come back and bite you. There was one that I just kind of thought through and seemed like it may end up hurting you in the long run. So I'm actually recommending that we're going to cut Vow of Duty. No! Yeah, just one. So two colorless and a white. It's 25 cents. It's an uncommon. I spent all the money. Yeah, you spent all of it. Um, it's a chain creature, and a chain creature gets plus two, plus two, can't attack you or a planeswalker you control, but the trick here is it gets vigilance. Yeah. Right? And people are going to be attacking left, right, and center, right? Sure. Like, and they're going to be swinging out, and you have a lot of things, you know, I think we talked about it, um, the... Uh, Disrupt decorum where things are gonna be swinging out and like that's how you can kind of then turn maybe a couple of your flyers into some damage to get sure. that through The problem with this is that you're giving them an attacker and a blocker as opposed to just an attacker Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I appreciate the blocker, but the attacker they can never hit me sure So that's where it's kind of for me I, I almost look at it as just well. I'm guaranteeing them a blocker every turn, right? But what do you think you're gonna replace it? With? So um, we talked a little bit about how there's not that many uh, there's not that many effects of this caliber in here so i'm gonna have you get a red card Ooh. that's pretty recently printed and by that i mean it's from theros it's a rare and we're gonna talk the acroan war okay so this one's kind of interesting right i think each one of these kind of stacks up to what you're trying to do in the deck so the acroan war is three colors and a red for an enchantment saga it's a rare coming in at 17 17 cents so Ooh. busting the bank wide open so um it comes with a lore counter and then during each year upkeeps you get another lore counter right so one, gain control of target creature for as long as it, enter, it remains on the battlefield, right? So that's yours to block with, that's sure. yours to take, you know, if you grab someone's commander that's really combat heavy or has like a lot of sacrificed abilities, you can really hamper them with that, right? Yeah. So then number two is uh, until your next turn, so this is your second upkeep, creatures your opponent's control attack each combat if able. So the thing I like about that is hopefully by the time you're sequencing this card out, you've already built up your pillow for enough where they're not going to have the mana to attack you okay. and have to go somewhere else, right? Um, and the third one, I will admit, I thought it was to 
the player who owns it, so this card isn't quite as good as I thought. But then lastly, each tap creature deals damage itself to its power. It could be a board wipe. It can't, exactly. That, that's what I was going to say. I don't think you run that many board wipes in here. No. Because you need creatures to go to that sort of yeah. thing, right? But the thing I like about this is... Um, we have seen, at least when we played, your commander is such a big butt that it's going to be rare that he's going to be able to kill himself. Yeah. So you, there's a very good chance where you're going to be left with just him on the board. Yeah. And if everyone's been attacking, if you go to a few people, if like life totals have chip, chip, chip away, this might be the last thing. Uh, this might be the last thing that's going to push through the last bit of damage for you as well. Yeah. So you know, I really like the first one because you know, assault suit. The the one thing with assault suit that's kind of weird in the deck is really it's just my commander that I want to attack. Yeah. To. Right. Right. And right. So at least with this it's like, oh, you have something big and scary. Let me get it. Equip a salt suit to it. Now everyone gets yeah, a shot yeah, at it. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the, the number two does scare me, so right. I think this is the... And the one thing that I have against it in this particular deck is that you have to wait a turn cycle from the time you mm -hmm. play a Crow War. So that kind of gives your opponent's... Time, time to, to okay he's gonna make us attack and we won't be able to attack him so right. we either need to get rid of the war or we're gonna have to get rid of these other things sure. versus if i just have the pillow fort stuff it's like well it's annoying but right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna laser beam onto it so that's a little worrisome and three it would be nice to have if another it, board it, wipe in here that's why yeah so like and I, I really was hoping it would go up to the player that controlled it but yeah i probably read it without my glasses and here we are well, so that, that's just your life <laughs> yep that's the life i choose to live <laughs> All right. Well, so for uh, moving on to fifty dollars, my under fifty, I'm cutting another very cute card. Oh, uh, coveted peacock. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> three colorless, uh, blue, blue creature bird. It's a three four flyer. And when coveted peacock attacks, you may go target creature defending player controls. I need to cut this one because I already cut the goblin. That's literally the same thing. It's just a two one on the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you, you don't really get in the red zone in this deck that much, right? And like this flyer isn't going to be something that's going to win you the game. No. So I'm, I'm kind of, I like, I kind of was toying with it, but again, there's like so few cards that have exactly. goat on them, it's kind of hard to do it. But okay, but what do you, what do you think about cutting this for? I'm going to cut it for a card that's going to open up the deck and give it a lot more flexibility. Because one mm. of the bad things is a lot of the goat stuff's enchantment based. So you enchant the creature, but then what if the better creature comes out and it's like, well, I better hope I get into another one. Right. So. An Estrid's Invocation ah, will right. easily yeah. solve that. So two colorless blue. It's an enchantment. You may have Estrid's Invocation ETB as a copy of any enchantment you control, except it gains at the beginning of your upkeep. You may exile this enchantment, and if you do, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So yeah, twofold. Perfect. One, you play it, you know, say it's early on, and you just make it a Rhystic Study. Everyone really hates you then. But then, <laughs> you know, maybe you've goaded a couple things, but then some really big, or like a um, Earl the Miststalker, Hexproof, mm -hmm. and it's like, man... I can't goad it because I have to target it. Well, the cool thing of Estrid's Invocation is when it blinks and comes back in, it doesn't actually target. Right. So now if I had a goad thing out there, your Earl's goaded, and I don't have to worry about exactly. your big, big, disgusting dude. Um, surprisingly, this card's over $6. Whoa! That's That is shocking, shocking. But I mean, there is a lot. Enchantments are heavily played, right? Yeah. Like, like this card is something that like you can play in an Earl or like a Zur yeah. sort of like cycling or otherwise, right? Because you can go tutor for it. No one's thinking cycling. Yeah, I know, right? So um, I like it. And again, like you forget that you forget that when you you forget that when you look at this deck, it is all enchantment, right? It's all these goat effects are all enchantment. So the fact that you're opening up four more pillow forty stuff if you need it. Or to get that last bit of damage, and to it's your always opponents. flexibility. It's yes. like whatever I. It's the flavor of the week. Right. Flavor of the turn. What do I need? Right. 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 Absolutely. So Estrid's invocation, I think, would be a really good home in this deck. All right. What's your under fifty cut and add? So uh, 
you, because I know this is in the future, uh, we are going to actually cut Blazing Archon. I'm cutting it too. Okay, perfect. So um, Blazing Archon is six colorless, three white for a 5-5 five five flyer. It's <laughs> You can cut this. It's no longer in the deck, so I'll have to look it up. Um, so the thing about that, and so it's, it's a flyer and it says uh, it is a 5-6. So six colorless, three white um, for a 5-6 flying Archon. Uh, creatures can't attack you. Great effect. Really like it. Paying nine mana for this is freaking <laughs> atrocious. So it's also triple white. So again, in a four color deck, even with your mana base, you still might be, there might be times where you're going to be one white pip away. Sure. So I, 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 the pips I'm not too worried about because right. I, do, I do run the most white basics mm. out of all of right, them. Right, right, right. But I think it's funny, and this just shows the power disparity in white, how nine mana in white <laughs> gets you a five, six flyer that creatures can't attack you. Nine mana in blue gets you expropriate, where you basically win <laughs> yeah, the game. Yeah, you win the game on the, on the nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I was actually kind of surprised this one wasn't in here. This is a, one of my this is one of my favorite cards. We've talked about it, I think, a couple times in here. But I think this card would help smooth out and kind of give you an out just in case there are no other creatures out there or a board might happen. So I'm saying you slot in a Kazool Tyrant of the Cliff in here. I am familiar. I'm so familiar. So three colorless red red for a 5-4 legendary creature Ogre Warrior. It's coming at about $3. Whenever a creature an opponent controls attacks, if you're the defending player, create a 3-3 red ogre creature token. Let's that that creature's controller pays three. So um, I just like this because instead of like you drawing a card or them still being able to attack, even yeah. if they do decide to attack you, you still have something left over, right? You have a blocker. You have something that you might be able to get into the red zone if you have to. If you do like a goat thing and sure. you have three or four of these lying around, then that might be enough to alpha strike one of your opponents as well. So I think the biggest issue I have with this card in this deck, and we talked about it earlier in the episode, how I have a lot of these different things in my hops profile where you have to pay this, you have to right, do that, right, and you right. have to do that. The, uh, what and it's like, if someone's going to pay five, they'll probably pay eight mm -hmm. to come at me. Right. I, usually Kazool's really good when you don't, when he's really your only taxing effect out there and it's either backbreaking for them to pay the three right. or it's like I have some big trampoly thing that sure. can get through. But I run him actually in my Nehab deck and it's either no one ever swings at me until mm -hmm. they can one shot it with a murder. Best, yep. best removal card of all time. <laughs> no. uh, or sure. they have the mana to pay for it, or it's a big enough creature. So, I mean, I like the thought, mm -hmm. and if I could consistently get the 3-3 three, three red ogre creature tokens, I think that'd be pretty amazing, but... I just don't know if I have the confidence in our meta, at least. That I oh, that's play. that's very true because no one runs attacky decks except for this guy over here. So, Hi. but again, like it's another taxing effect and gives you something that's not just drawing a card. It gives you a creature on the sure. board, which I think which I think is is pretty handy in this case. But again, take it for what you will. All right. Well, like I said, I'm also cutting the Blazing Archon. Bye. And uh, I'm going to replace it with a card that I literally had a spare of. It's laying around. Uh, actually had it in my CEDH deck and took it out because it doesn't belong in CEDH. <laughs> uh, I'm going to add an Oracle Moldiah. It's three colorless sure. green. Creature Elf Shaman. <clears throat> you may play an additional land on each of your turns. Play the top card of your library revealed. Play with lands from the top of your library. Like I've said, a lot of times it's like I draw, it's land, I play it, and like I may draw a card, but there's too many dead draws that I have in this deck. Sure. Or it's just yeah, a right. land, or or some ramp type of thing. Even though I have the smallest grain package on the planet, <laughs> right. it's just the way it seems to play. So at least with right. the Oracle, this is going to help smooth out my land. Sure. I'm going to be able to ramp that much quicker because I think every game I've played this deck, I am ramping hard. Right. Uh, and I just I don't see a downside. And I think if I'm not going to be running cultivates, I'm not going to be running you know far seeks and stuff like that. Yeah. I need a way to be able to. 
thin out the deck a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. And like again, if you didn't have one, I think it'd be a harder thing, sure. a harder sale. But if you do have one lying around, I agree with that. Um, looking at the top card of your library, the only downside with that is it's revealed to everyone as opposed to you. So if you have one of these like rifts or or a cryptic command or something, we're like, okay, he's probably gonna be getting that. However, that's like whatever you're gonna use that anyway. So. Yeah. They're all going to be forced to attack one way or another through yep. goat or anything else. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I think it'll help smooth out your draws and give you that ramp package that that maybe you need. Yeah. I think the only cards that if I revealed off of the top that people would be like hold the phone would be approach of the second sun, right? Um, insurrection and probably cyclonic. Yeah. Rift. rift yeah. Uh, I think those are probably the old, or Avacyn Angel of Hope even. So I got sure. I got four cards in the deck that most likely if they're on top people are going to wet themselves. <laughs> Outside of that though, I think people would just be like. That's going to be annoying. I got to politic him so he doesn't right. put it on me. Right. Yep. Totally agree with you. So, yeah, definitely a good inclusion there. All right. Well, what's your uh, last cut and add? So, I have tried to run this card before, and it hosed me in a kitchen table game when I was in eighth grade at Sam Groth's house. Well, that's why we but, should still yeah, hold the grudge so against it. Absolutely. Still do. But I just think it's been kind of outclassed in cards that you have access to in these colors. So, I'm actually going to cut to Fairy's Moat. No! Yeah, uh, back oh boy, back with the fairy was a fair person. Um, so three colors, uh, blue and a white. It's an enchantment. Uh, I believe it's uh, un- I don't know from Time Spiral. Uh, as it comes into play, choose a color. Creatures with the chosen color without flying can't attack you. So the thing I don't like about that is you once you choose it, you're like stuck into that, right? Sure. So if you choose black just for one player, then he dies. It's just a dead card, right? And if they have demons or some other way to get them flying, you accidentally put the vow of flight on them and forget about it. Maybe it could happen. So it's just a little too limited for what it does. Yeah. If it was a mana short or something, um, what I think I would like to see is more of like you, like even more restrictive ways for people to block you or not be able to attack you, right? Okay. So what I'm saying is cut that, and you can really break the bank with this card as well if you get it from beta. Uh, and I think you should slot in Island Sanctuary. So, colorless and white. It. It's a good one. Uh, it's an enchantment. If you would draw a card during your draw, your draw step, and said you may skip that draw. If you do until your next turn, you can't be attacked except by creatures with flying and or Island Walk. So a couple things there. Huh. Um, the blocking your creatures with Island Walk are going to come at you anyway. Sure. Um, unless you explicitly say blue, which you probably wouldn't with the Fairy's Moat. And the Fairy's Moat also prevents, doesn't prevent flying. So you're getting an upside there. And normally the downside of this is the fact that you have to skip your draw step, right? So yep. you're going to be a short one. However, as you may mention previously, and as we've seen, your commander comes out almost every game that you play this as soon yeah. as you can. So really you're losing and, and you don't have to do it. You can choose to skip that or not, yeah. right? So if you if there's no creatures, you're not stuck into like paying a, a, a cumulative upkeep on it. You can choose to skip your draw or not, and then regardless, if your commander's out, which it usually is, you get your free card draw off of that too. Well, so the thing I kind of like about that is I just talked about Oracle Moldiah and playing with the top card of the library field. So kind of like a cool interaction with these cards is. I know what the top card of my library is. Right. If it's a land, I could just choose. I'm not going to draw because I'm going to get the quote-unquote draw it because I get to play it off yeah, the top right, right, anyways. Right. Totally. So like that's some kind of cool synergy. Um, I mean, it's only $3 for a non-beta copy. <laughs> uh, so and, I mean, and, and it's three mana less than Teferi's as well. So like I said, it does. I just think it does a lot more of what this deck's trying to do. That's fair. Well, I may have to go to level one and pick up an Island Sanctuary 
But to do that, we're going to have to be at the end of the episode. Uh, thanks for making it until the end. And as promised, here are some details about the giveaway from our sponsor, Level 1 Game Shop. We're going to be giving away a Chaos Draft Set, which will include four CMD Tower playmats, packs of sleeves, four random pre-release kits, which we have announced so far that we're doing an M21. We're doing a War of the Spark and also a Throne of Eldraine. Ooh. Super cool, super cool. Get that Oko, that not worth no no. <laughs> to enter, it's extremely simple. Just help promote all the content that the team produces, whether it's our audio podcast, whether it's our YouTube series, whether it's the soon-to-be Deer Squee article series. Just all of that stuff really lets us know that, uh, A, you care. B, Level 1 knows that you're actually listening and appreciate the sponsorship. We will announce that winner on MTG Action 4 News August 4th, and we will put it on our Twitter account soon after. And yes, these giveaways will happen every single month. Uh, just could be a sweet little thing like this. Probably not. We do this once a year if we ever turn around next year. Uh, but usually it's a sweet little uh, pre-con deck or maybe a, a fat pack, maybe a very rare card like we did a full art Oko back when those were actually worth mm -hmm. something. Uh, it just depends on what level one gaming can provide. But, you know, we'd love some five-star and uh, commentary feedback. Uh, that really does help the interwebs connect us with other listeners like yourselves or viewers. Um, and if you'd like to reach out to us and know more ways you can enter into the contest, here's how you can do that. You can reach me at Mr. Combo number 5 on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, where can they reach? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, evidently they can't reach me anywhere because my Twitter feed is pretty barren, but you can still find me on there at Big Tuck Tweeting on Twitter. Um, also, you're never going to email me, so guess what? I'm not even going to tell you where the email address is. I feel like Sir Brian oh. and you sometimes chat on Twitter. We get we well by chat we just <laughs> trade bars, so it's trade. But, but I mean, isn't that like issue. what chatting is like with you? I, yeah, pretty much. Okay. This is pretty much low-key hate, <laughs> some anger, all that good stuff. Uh, you can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. You can also go to our website, cmdtower.com. Basically, all you have to type in is Curse of Opulence, Miri Weatherlight Duelist, Disallow, Tower.com. Mm. Mm. I know, it's mm. better on the mm. second recording. <laughs> <laughs> Squee McGee, if people want to find out how to get a hold of yourself and everything that you can do, how would they do that? Oh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Rich Chaos Records. Uh, more importantly, I have gotten some emails. I've gotten some direct messages. Wow. I've gotten some information and questions through the Discord. It's happening. It's all happening. Dude, I'm telling you. That, nice. Dude, I'm telling you, the collective, they have an obsession with Squee. They love this man. Hey. It's because I don't come around all that often, but when I do come around, it's very, very sweet. Um, oh, so you're like my dad in real life. Ooh, dark. <laughs> oh, bleak. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, yeah, send me those questions. Dear Squeeze in full gear. Ooh. He can handle all your audio needs. It does have a full studio if you want to come in, if he could fit you into his busy schedule. Uh, the bit was earlier that he was just petting a cat, but since we've had to do this a second time, there is no cat. Hey, there is a cat. Oh, there's a cat. Uh, and if you guys would like to further support the show and our sponsor through orders you're already doing for magic products and singles, head over to our sponsor, level1gameshop.com. When you place an order in the order notes, just type in CMD Tower so that you came from the collective. <laughs> and outside of their own storefront, they do have a TCG store with 99% accuracy rating and very competitive prices. Um, but if you go to the regular store, you can get our playmat, our sleeves, as well as everything else you need from a board game perspective. We get no financial value out of this. Just purely you doing this lets them know it's worth investing the little bit of money that they do every month for these giveaways. Uh, so please go hook them up. 
But hey, if you can't hook up them, you can hook us up by heading over to Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have something for war tiers from as simple as getting access to the Discord where you can find out how to ask squee questions and also learn how not to talk to Tuck, um, to even getting a guest spot <laughs> on the podcast with your own sweet, sweet brew. We actually just hit the tier, uh, so that way we can do the Dear Squee Corner, or what are we calling you? Vince again? To be determined. To be determined. Squeeze to be determined. Uh, but, you know, the next tier is going to be at 50 to where uh, we'll start inviting one of the collective every single month to uh, come on and talk about their brew. Of course, thank you to Pink Royal for the music you guys provide in the episode. It's a big tuck, second time through. KT says, go me another one. What do you think? Uh, I thought I was going to hate this, but it's actually really fun. Um, the thing that I like about this is that you did stick to your guns in terms of like the theme of the deck, which I like. Um, there's only like a couple cards in here, uh, mostly Rhystic Study and Smothering Tide that I wish you could cut for something else. But knowing you, I know the value is too high for them. Um, so yeah, so like I said, like it's this weird arch enemy deck where you become the threat, but... And that's all, like, I, the two times I played this deck, one time I just blew everyone out of the water with Nekazar, and then the other time you were the threat, like, the last, like, You've only seen this deck once, I thought. No, twice. I saw it once with the Nekazar, oh. and then I saw it once on Friday. I've only seen it in IRL once. Uh, there you and go. then that way you, like, slowly crept your way up to this, like, like, at first it was kind of fun, like, haha, hitting you, hitting you, and then it's like, no, this is an issue. So, um, <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was fun to talk about, and again, there's, there's a lot of fun cards in here to, to go over. Yeah, you know, I would say if I was to rank my funness decks, like the ones that I'm like, hey, I'm actually excited to play, I'd probably put this in my top five, to be frank, and I think the reason is is A, I never thought I was going to find a build for this color pairing with this commander. Right. B, the whole, like, goading aspect it's like yes friend of the cast of the goat has a true goat deck with marisi but you know exactly what you're going to get marisi is going to get a bunch of creatures make them unblockable and just try to heat each person with at least one to goad all of their stuff yeah, and then right, start right. trying to like pick off whoever's tapped out this deck you don't really know what you're going to be getting and like you said it's the uh what dhm is it gonna be yes. is it gonna be the goat effect for the don't hurt me? Is it going to be a taxing effect where you can't really hit me? Am I going to incentivize you? Like we talk, I have curse of opulence in here. So like, oh man, right. I really want to hit this other person so that way I can get this benefit. Or is it going to be I'm gonna pass my commander around the table and like why wouldn't you just <laughs> smack around with a four ten big booty? So right. uh, it, it's it's very exciting. Um, I probably need to play it two three more times. I've only played it thrice. And I probably only need two more times before I have the deck figured out and I know exactly right. what I need to cut and what I probably need to leave. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know if I need as many of the instant speed board wipe type stuff as I have in here. Right. Right. Uh, and, the you know, the blazing archons of the world and the Teferi's moat. So, um, yeah, no, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I, I was so excited to get this deck and I'm glad I got to play it in the IRL. Because I will say it's easier to do that than play over webcam. Because cursing and vowing, it's a little difficult to it's do. A, it's a nightmare. <laughs> well, guys, let's hit the sack. Peace. Deuce.